Hello and welcome. Welcome to a wee bit Brezzy podcast. I'm Candice. And I'm Lynn. And here you're going to hear us talk about some probably inappropriate things. Yeah, we're just two cousins hanging out, yeah. talking about conversations yeah. inappropriate. There'll be lots of laughs. And some teasing. And it might get a wee bit spicy every now and then. I hope you join us. Hello and welcome back to, I think it's episode seven. We think so, but I think they're also getting a little bit mixed up a little bit. Because so. we're a little mixed up. Because we're <laughs> classic reflection of our brain. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's like, yeah. Like I said in one of the other episodes, I have ducks. I don't know where they are. Um, <laughs> hey, but you're here. I, I'm here. I made it here. I'm here too. Yeah. We're yeah, here. We're here. We, yeah. we have a microphone. We have a computer. We're recording stuff that I still don't know why people allow us to record <laughs> stuff. That's all that matters. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, our episode, we are talking about um, cultural appropriation mm-hmm. um, as well as performative culture. Dun, dun, dun. So uh, over to you for our, our What's, what's Up, up Cuzzy question. Okay, so today's What's Up Cuzzy question is... If you could choose any animal to be a pet, what would it be and why? Um, Come on, you don't know this? (laughs) I just get so torn. So I have an Indigenous answer and I have a non-Indigenous answer. Okay, we need to hear both, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Indigenous answer is a raven, which absolutely I could foresee myself Mm. uh, having at some point. Sorry, Vera. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, my non-Indigenous animal answer is uh, a platypus. Oh, platypus. I can love a platypus. Okay, but what about a platypus? It has a duck bill. It lays eggs. Okay, say no more. <laughs> they're poisonous, but they're adorable. Platypuses are poisonous? What they the are. F- yeah, there's something in their mouth that is poisonous. I did not know that. Mm-hmm, oh, you're mm-hmm. teaching me something there. Okay. My pet animal would be, okay, I really resonate with the raven. For my indigenous animal, it <laughs> would be the raven. No, it wouldn't be the raven. I, I get that, though. But, you know, I'm also a big fan of Harry Potter, so I would love my own oh, snowy owl. Like Harry Potter had, what was oh, Harry Potter's owl? Do you remember? I'm not a Harry Potter. <gasps> Friends, cousins off. I'm just yeah. kidding. I, I've been just How can you not be a Harry Potter fan? Um, oh, Hedwig was Hedwig was Harry Potter's owl. Yeah, but I can't believe. Okay, uh, is it because have you watched Harry Potter and like you're just like no, no I can't watch. You just haven't had the opportunity. Yeah. So okay, so there's still time. We can we can get you into it. For some reason, like the books, I think came out at an age for me where I wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I never once read a book. I just watched the movie. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. We talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when the books came out, they kind of, or sorry, when the movies came out, they just looked a little too childish for my brain at the time. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. You I don't know. It's just gonna... weird for me. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Snowy Owl. Okay. Maybe Great Horned Owl, though. I love the Great mm. Horned Owl. But what about those tiny little Sawit owls? Yes. Those are beautiful, too. Yeah. I just love owls. Yeah, me too. Um, oh I my watched, god, me too. I, I YouTube owl documentaries. 
Oh, okay. We need to hang out and have an. I know. Popcorn, wine. That sounds like a romp. Um, for my non-indigenous one, it would be a tiger. Ooh. Pet tiger. I just want my own pet tiger. Hey, that is our Chinese zodiac. You know that? That is. We're yeah. born in the year yeah, of the tiger. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's like one of my favorite zodiacs is to it's identify the, with the tiger. I am the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> we are sort of. Oh, yeah, my God. Oh my God. Who lets us do this? I don't know. Okay. We let us do this. Apparently. Okay, right. we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> Cultural appropriation oh. and performative culture. Oh my gosh. What are we going to talk about first? Um, what do you want to talk about first? Well, I do think I want to start off with cultural appropriation because I want to kind of make it a bit more clear as to the direction of cultural appropriation that we're going to talk about. I also don't think everybody knows what cultural appropriation is. Okay. So I think we so, should define that. Um. Let's say, okay, so my spouse is Chinese. Yeah. I am not Chinese. Yeah. If you haven't learned that by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and we've had this discussion a lot of times. Um, at one point she was living in the States and would see rice hats for sale mm -hmm. in the States. And that is something that is uh, specifically from her ancestors. Mm -hmm. You know, she's born in Canada, but to see rice hats being sold in a tourist shop in LA mm -hmm. um, is kind of part of cultural appropriation. It's it like, totally it's, it's is. not a tourist. It's not item. part of, it's totally cultural appropriation because yeah. it's, it's originating from one culture. Mm -hmm. Like exactly. dream catchers when they sell dream catchers oh, in yes. dollar stores exactly. or Spencer's gifts, which I was just in a couple of days yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so Basically, it's taking something from someone else's culture. Without permission. Without permission. Using it for your own personal gain yes. or profit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a good definition. We could look up the official definition, but we don't roll that way. <laughs> we live outside. We color outside the lines. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So which direction yeah. do you want to take so cultural I'm, appropriation? I'm specifically thinking not just uh, of non-Indigenous people, using indigenous things but other indigenous cultures using other indigenous cultures oh, that's like yeah. is that like a lateral cultural appropriation yeah i guess we could label it as that yeah yeah right because it's in the community mm -hmm. in the indigenous community exactly. laterally amongst exactly. ourselves yeah. yeah 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 so prime example and i have learned from my ways um was i grew up uh making a lot of dream catchers Yes, so did I. At one point, selling yeah. them, mm. and that is not from our specific That's not from our background. Background, right? Yeah. Um, so it it yes, it's an indigenous thing, but because we are so unique across all of Turtle Island, um, but still taking something from someone else's culture. Mm -hmm that I'm using to profit off of. Mm -hmm. um, Do you think the same can be said for like, cause we're Coast Salish, right? Mm -hmm. We come from the coast, not so much the prairies. Well, not at all from the prairies, but also I see this happening a lot too in coastal cultures is like, there's a lot of like powwow culture, right? Like yeah, jingle dress dancing, mm -hmm. grass dancing. Yeah. Those kinds of things that are, don't really, really resonate or originate from. I, I feel like powwow culture is something that is, as it, or as it has grown in popularity has been something that, um, I know some elders have said, no, we want you 
to join this. It's like powwow culture is its own thing, mm. separate from each person's individual indigenous culture. Mm. That's just the the teaching that I've had. But that makes sense yeah. because it wouldn't be cultural appropriation then because there's a relationship and there's expressed permission to. Exactly. Yeah. There's an invitation, exactly. right? We want you to do mm-hmm. this. We, yeah, mm-hmm. you've been trained. Yeah. And that's what I see a lot in powwow culture, right? When, whether mm-hmm. it's drumming around the big drum or dancing, mm-hmm. it's all under mentorship and guidance and support. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so something that I've, I'm seeing that does cross over into non-Indigenous people using um, or partaking in cultural appropriation is, is buying things like sage in... Yes non-indigenous yeah. stores yes so whether you are an indigenous person purchasing that um you're still actually giving someone else the profit that they are are appropriating from someone else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i know that does cross some tricky areas where some people especially who are urbanized, who are away from their traditional territories, away from their elders, away from their culture, um, that they feel like they want to include something like uh, different types of sage or smudging within their practice Mm -hmm. and have no access to an actual source of it. Mm. But I think um, as we're starting, we're, we're in a really big, um, wave of change mm-hmm. and that we have so many indigenous um, stores or businesses that we yes. can actually support now who might offer those things. And a resurgence of culture too. Yeah. Right. Culture is yeah. only more and more accessible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So that's definitely, it's a lot to navigate. It is. It is. On what is right or what is appropriate yeah. or what is necessary yeah Yeah. and you know absolutely understand fair enough if someone doesn't know anything about their history they just know that they were indigenous because i'm Mm. I'm specifically thinking of like a lot of 60s 60s scoop survivors Mm -hmm. and um, unfortunately now um youth that are products of uh the foster care system right Mm -hmm. so you know, they know they're Indigenous, but they have no way of safely finding out where they're from, what they're connected to, what their traditional teachings are. Yeah. So absolutely, I understand that need and desire um, to find things of Indigenous culture kind of universally, yeah. um, publicly known as what is Indigenous culture. Yeah. And trying to use that to help themselves heal yeah so absolutely i know and i understand that that is a privilege that i have that i i know who i am i know where i'm from Mm -hmm. i know the things that are specific to my culture and traditional territory yeah and absolutely know that it's going to be a struggle for others yeah yeah and i think that's what makes it so unique for our experiences as indigenous peoples is that we need a lot more latitude to make mistakes or to Mm -hmm. just like express permission to reach whatever's accessible to us because mm-hmm. of colonization, right? Yeah. Like it's no fault of our own if we were scooped up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or, or yesterday mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we're not going to have access to culture. But yeah. I do find I do find this too in our culture that we're very forgiving, that yeah. we draw our circles very big to include people who have never had access before. Mm-hmm. But also it's just, it makes us, it's, 
kind of mentally exhausting to think about too, when you are indigenous and you want to be cultural and you want to access these really things that make you feel good, Mm -hmm. but you're always in the state of like, is this okay? Is this not okay? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I not say this? Or or like, what what is my- Which leads into our last episode of imposter syndrome, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Somebody tell me, where's the adult? (laughs) (laughs) Where's the elder? Yeah, where's the elder? (laughs) Yeah, and, and that's something that, I've had to learn because my my introduction or my um, teachings of indigen- anything indigenous came from um, a collaborative effort of indigenous people from all across Turtle Island. Mm. You know, I didn't necessarily get people from my community teaching me community or traditional territory specific mm-hmm. things, right? Yeah, Coast Salish things. Yeah, yeah. So now that I'm an adult, um, and this is only in the last couple of years that I've realized, oh, wait, I probably should not be making dream catchers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and especially selling them, mm-hmm. you know? That's definitely something that um, I realized, oh, that's, that's my privilege, and that's me appropriating someone else's culture. Someone else's culture, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, as you said that, <laughs> my mind is like, I'm feeling guilty in that conversation too, because when I worked in the school district, like I would mm. have dream catcher making workshops with my students. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, it's okay, I'm indigenous. I right. can do it, right? Yeah. And the same thing for button blanket making. Exactly. Like you and I exactly. do not come from a button blanket making mm-hmm. culture, mm-hmm. right? Salish weaving, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. but not button blanket making. Yeah. So yeah. I feel guilty of that too. I don't think you should feel guilty. But- well, cause I, I, yeah, thank you for that. Because I also feel like uh, in our culture, not in our culture, but in our time coming up in the nineties, right. When we're coming yes. out through elementary school with the pull up <laughs> yeah. method. Um, <laughs> with Listen the pull- to our last episode if you don't get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> with the pull up method, like we're pulled out to engage in these cultural activities. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I don't think that cultural uh, knowledge and practices were as abundant as they are today yes. for Coast Salish people. Yeah. It was our Eastern cultures like the uh, the Dreamcatcher, the powwows, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all of those. Those yeah. are what we were taught, yeah. and so we were we were educated yeah. in Eastern Indigenous cultures before we were educated mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. Western exactly. Coast Salish cultures, yeah. right? And I, I think there's something to be said for the time in which we're at now with yeah. having so much access to information um, from the internet. Yes. You want to hear a really silly story about the internet and me? Yes. <laughs> okay. So I was probably about 13. Yeah, I was definitely in high school. And my dad was installing internet in our house for the first time. Mm-hmm. Dial up. <laughs> Dial up internet. I remember right? those days, yeah. And... Um, I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? He goes, I'm installing a router for the internet. I'm like, what's the internet? <laughs> and he goes, well, it's like, you know, all the stuff that are in the encyclopedias. Well, it, it's like you could do that on the computer. <laughs> it's like, but, but why? Because we have the encyclopedias. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You guys have encyclopedias yeah. too? Oh, yeah, we have a full set. 
my parents had, well, we had encyclopedias in our house too. And my mom and dad kept telling us like how important it was to have encyclopedias. Cause it, apparently it was like the symbol. Don't they all, still have them? They do still have them. Because I remember being in, in your <laughs> parents' living room going, I think those are encyclopedias. They are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the entire time growing up, it was like this thing to show that if you had encyclopedias, yes. you had all the knowledge in the whole world. Exactly. In your living room, in your yes. household, right? Yeah. And back then, apparently, it was very expensive, too. I even remember, yeah. I was probably, like, in grade two. I must have been however old you are in grade two. Seven. I remember the salesman coming to our house and yes. selling it, right? And it was a he very expensive thing. He took the ferry things. onto the island? No. Okay, oh, okay, so we grew up, I grew up and it was raised okay. on the island, right? But yeah. I also lived on the other reserve, right? The mainland oh, side. Okay. And that's where, yeah, going around. On the rest, <laughs> knocking on doors, selling encyclopedias, and my yeah. parents bought the encyclopedia set, and it was just this. It was like this. It was this epicenter. It was like yeah. We were. My parents were very proud that we had encyclopedias. Right. But uh, yeah, now it's all online. So yeah, we <laughs> so, must we must consult Google for things. Exactly. Now. So yeah. all that to say is, you know, um, if you don't have access to the internet, there's free internet available. That's right. In places like libraries and, and things like that, that you can find things specific to your culture yes um and if you don't know that yeah take what is publicly available mm. for you to use yeah right yeah um especially something like the difference between powwow culture and non-powwow culture right yeah um at yeah. the same time, I'm very appreciative, right? Like maybe, I don't know why, like it's so common because I feel like all of us as West Coast people were so exposed to Eastern cultures before mm -hmm. West Coast, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that was because colonization had much bigger impact on our smaller populations. Yes. And so our cultural resurgence was, took a little bit more time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we at least were exposed to what it kind of can feel like to be indigenous because of borrowed culture from our eastern relatives exactly. Exactly. for that i'm very thankful absolutely right? me too because yeah. i grew up thinking you i belong to the big power of drama i grew up thinking mm -hmm. the dream catcher was a symbol right. of my people and i had such pride in that yeah. when i was a child yeah. right? and medicine wheels and mandalas. Oh, totally totally yeah. yeah yeah so i'm very thankful right <laughs> yeah As now we look back and we're like well that was a little bit of appropriation oh, but yeah, right? <laughs> at the same time what else would we have had we wouldn't have exactly. had anything yeah, so yeah. thank you to all of our Eastern yeah. <laughs> relatives from indigenous nations who yeah. belong to those cultures, because and I think Northern it saved too. us. And Northern too. Yes. You know, there was a the button long blankets too. time where, yeah. you know, there was uh, school initiatives and grants to, to have button blankets made and, and hung up in the school. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's not of, of the territory and, and land that we grew up on, but um, definitely thankful for, for those cultures. And, um, not all indigenous cultures make totem poles. Yes. Right? Exactly. So. Well, we're not totem pole people. No, we're not. Yeah. And I used to think we were, right? Yeah. And it was only in recent years that it was actually a conversation with my dad. He's like, son, we're not totem pole <laughs> people. I'm like, what? Well, shit, really? <laughs> I thought this whole time yeah. we were, right? Because I yeah. see them and he's like, those are welcome posts. I was like, <laughs> there's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. You, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we, I think we grow up. I think this is part of growing up Indigenous, right? Especially in our time as a little millennials that we are, mm -hmm. is that we do kind of grow up with our, our very first pan-Indigenous selves, too. We think of ourselves all as ones, right? Yeah. 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 And then you and realize. to a sense. Oh, there's so many. Yeah commonalities and similarities across mm -hmm, all of ours mm -hmm. that would make us all be one, but it's very important for that distinction for people who yeah, are just something like yeah. that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know there's a, a huge, um, maybe not huge, maybe indigenously huge <laughs> <laughs> conversation about that going on on TikTok. Um, and there's one fabulous person that I, I do follow on TikTok and she is from Alaska and she is white passing, but she has traditional chin tattoos and mm. she's working to, to advocate for, for the, the cultural appropriation on that. Mm. And um, that, you know, certain cultures or, or certain historical cultures didn't use those tattoos. Um, and, you know, some people are, are claiming was like, well, yeah, the, this culture did that, but mm -hmm. it's not cultural appropriation because this culture did that. It's like, no, because we actually talked to those other cultures and we're like, no, did you do tattoos? No, we didn't. Did you do tattoos? Oh yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. Um, so this misrepresentation of some of the ancient cultures. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm hesitant to say which ones that have been talked about because I don't know the story fully. Right. Um, but definitely something that is, is becoming more of a, an, um, a more well-known conversation that mm. just because it's indigenous yeah. doesn't mean that you can use it. Exactly. But just because you're indigenous doesn't mean that you can't learn about it another indigenous culture yes yeah. love that yeah. because ultimately we want to right exactly because the more we know about our own distinct cultures mm -hmm. and the diversity mm -hmm. in our indigenous cultures the more it positions yeah. ourselves in our own culture exactly right that yeah. we're not yes we're all one but at the same time there's beauty and strength in our diversity absolutely right? yeah and i find that fascinating i mean just as first nations people both mm -hmm. of us being first nations there's so much diversity in our first nations culture yes. let alone metis yeah. let alone um inuit mm -hmm. cultures mm -hmm. right exactly and the depth and breadth of cultural practices and knowledge and values going in yeah those people's cultures yeah. absolutely yeah i find yeah. it fascinating I love learning now. Yeah. One of the greatest opportunities I ever had to learn about other nations' cultures was when I worked at uh, First Nations Health Authority. Mm. I got the chance to travel the province, yeah. this colonial province. Yeah. Um, and and as somebody who identifies as a cultural person, you know, it's so neat to just sit in communities and listen to their stories and their mm -hmm. song, listen to their songs, watch their people dance exactly. and, and do. I mean, that's where you really get a sense of like, we're all one because I'm yeah. like, yeah. Oh, that's just how we do this. Oh, that's right. how we open this. That's yeah. how we close. And that's what our elders like to say too, right? Exactly. It may not sound the same or look the same, but ultimately the intentions are very much exactly. similar. Yeah. 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 Um, some kind of quirky thing about some of the, the TikTok um, creators that I follow, um, especially the one I mentioned about uh, in Alaska. Um, there's a couple others that are also up north. I can't remember exactly where, but um they their indigenous accent is just so comforting there's something <laughs> so unique and comforting about it to me that does it sound oh. like home it's it's like a hug in in their voice it's so odd to to frame it that way but it just feels so comforting to me no i totally yeah. get it yeah <laughs> speaking of tiktok yeah i just saw on my social media like this past weekend notorious cree do you follow notorious cree on and off um, James Jones like met the CEO of TikTok because oh. I think TikTok's doing like some really great work around like inclusivity and diversity. Okay, and... so oh, not my indigenous side, but my queer side yes. is that I know that he met with Darcy Michael. 
<laughs> Who's Darcy Michael? He's a comedian based in Ladner. Oh, okay. And um, through COVID found uh, a big TikTok following and oh. is doing a stand-up tour with his husband. Oh. And they're just two very adorable people. And oh, my gosh. Darcy who? Darcy Michael. Darcy Michael. And um, something we also have, in, he and I have and in local. common, is, is going to the plant shelter. Yeah, local. A plant shelter? Yeah. What is the plant shelter? Like, is you that like, to, are you, you talking about rescue plants? Yeah. Really? To to non-plant people, it is a plant store. Okay. <laughs> or, or a garden center or a nursery. The plant shelter. The plant shelter. I love that. To adopt plants. <laughs> okay, so I love this this idea of, of, <laughs> of plant shelters. <laughs> Only because, I don't know, you know, uh, social media algorithms are, mm-hmm. like, showing me just how great of a culture it is to get involved with plants. <laughs> so I'm like, I need to go visit a plant uh, shelter pretty soon. Yes. Anyway. And I will happily take you to a plant shelter. Okay, well, you'll have to show me some because I don't even know. Like, oh, I yeah. would go to, like, Walmart or Home Depot or something. No, no. Well, ways, I mean, that that will suffice for well, you beginner must... plant people. Okay, well, you must show me your ways. I will show you the ways yeah. of the plant people. <laughs> of the plant people. <laughs> the plant nation. <laughs> um, Anyway, we have to we have to carry on because we, yeah. we're running out of time, and we have this whole other conversation around performative culture mm-hmm. that we haven't got to yet. And I would love to. I'm, I'm very. It's a. It's it's a harder to have conversation. I think just in my mind because I'm trying to articulate myself the best that I can. Yeah. Or not even articulate. I'm trying to formulate the words and the language in my in my mind because I feel like we don't talk about it enough, right? It's quite vague. It is vague, but it's also. I don't hear anybody else talking about this, yes. but I'm like, when when we started talking about, you know, the kind of episodes and conversations we want to create, I'm like, shit, we need to talk about this because mm-hmm. I'm feeling it and I'm seeing it, but I don't know how to name it and work with it yet. Yeah. So exactly. I'm like, that's where I'm trying to, that's where my struggle is. So I'm curious as to what your definition of, of performative culture is and I'll offer mine first. Okay. Okay. So when I think about performative culture, I really think about in this time we're in that is like, where now it's like all of a sudden... Okay, once upon a time, it used to be dangerous to be an Indigenous mm-hmm. person, even to be outed as an yeah. Indigenous person, right? Yeah. And then now it's, like, really cool. It's really groovy. Mm-hmm. And in a place of diversity and reconciliation, people are like, they need Indigenous peoples. So I kind of feel like people that are Indigenous and identify as Indigenous really capitalize on their their cultural aspect yeah. and blow it out of proportion yes. and then blow it out of proportion to their benefit without the alignment of the work that they're doing on the mm-hmm. inside. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, the importance of giving back to community. Yeah. That's how I, that's a terrible definition, but cause I'm struggling, I, I'm fumbling on my yeah, words, but like, yeah, do you yeah. get the gist of, I do. I yeah. do. Um, I think part of it that comes to mind for me or like a, uh, an adjective is that sometimes, that performative culture kind of comes off as um, sideshow circus cartoon. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, you might be sharing. It's culture as entertainment mm-hmm. and nothing more, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think another part of that definition to me is um, kind of, again, the, the phrase that we've used uh, in other episodes is um, talking the talk but not walking the walk. Yes. So what face you show to non-Indigenous spaces mm-hmm. is not the face that you show in Indigenous spaces. Yeah. 
So your outward appearance and, and how that benefits you and potentially is making you money in various sense or very different, very different ways. Yeah. Um, isn't who you show yourself to be in indigenous spaces. Which is kind of like the classic definition of what it means to be two-faced, isn't it? I think so. I think that's because like it for you sure. have yeah. one face yeah. to the external non-indigenous community, but yeah. then you have this completely different face and performance and true. Yeah. yeah. You know, presence and and you know, presentation to your own yeah. community, right? Yeah, like yeah it's I would just, say that. Yeah. It's not consistent. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Two face, I mean, gets such a negative connotation because it totally is. But ultimately, as indigenous peoples, it it kind of has a part to play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's kind of uh, a struggle within our communities, though. If we're, we're specifically talking about being two faced, yeah. I think uh, in my experience is that people expect me to be two faced, and I'm not. Mm. So the things that I'm saying to you, my cousin Len, about my opinion on a certain topic is going to be the same thing that I say to in another, any other in, in any other context, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah. Same yeah. for me. I mean, yeah. it's hard because you tr you you have to exercise being consistent, right? And yeah. like, at least I'm speaking for myself, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm like what I say here or I say on a public platform, I will also yeah. say internally to my own friends, family and relatives, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I just, yeah. Or again, uh, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything all, at all type of thing too is, mm -hmm. you know, if my opinion of someone or something or um, a TV show or whatever it might be is, something that I don't necessarily like or agree with or um, feel is um, productive in mm -hmm. helping our, our people in our community. Yeah. I'm not necessarily going to say that to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I might say it in the privacy of my own home with my spouse, mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm not going to take that opinion to a cousin over here, a cousin over there yeah. and, and gossip and, and, Exactly. talk about it right yeah, yeah yeah totally when it comes to you know performative culture it's it's something that really started to worry me when i when i first left the reserve mm -hmm. right because i was like am i am i doing the work if i feel at distance from from the work and it's something that i do worry about and i know I, it's something that that comes up in criticism from relatives <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and community members. Yeah. Um, but ultimately I think that what I've learned is that it's just a constant, it's, it's, you have to do the work. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, that's what I really think about when it comes to performative culture is that it's almost like you turn it on. It's this, this switch you can flip and all of a sudden yeah. you are performing almost like, I hate to say it, but I can't think of a better mm. situation. It's like, it's like a circus, right? Yes. It's like yeah. you're, you're a show, you're an entertainment thing. And exactly. then at the end of the show, you're like, oh, okay, that's done. And then you're no, you're no longer doing the work exactly. of, of yeah. all the teachings that you embody, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. humility, service, yeah. spirituality, exactly. all of those things, right? Yeah. I feel like it's got to yeah. be consistency. Yeah. Um, like Raven Tales is a good example of what I feel isn't performative culture. Mm. So Raven Tales has set out to, I don't even know how many stories they've created now. Mm -hmm. um, so although it might be viewed as entertainment, um, as, as part of our indigenous culture, it is actually a way of preserving those stories. Mm. And hopefully within uh, families or community settings, the conversations about those stories are happening. Yeah. 
So I know when I reference something like Raven Tales, there, there used to be a presentation I would do where I would actually show um, like a 20, 20 minute Raven Tales um, specific episode. Um, but I would talk about the story afterwards with the class mm. and be like, okay, so this is our intent with indigenous storytelling. Mm-hmm. This just happens to be um, a modern way of telling the story, yeah. but we're still going to talk about, we're still going to have those same conversations that our ancestors would have had for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the older generations um, sitting down with their grandchildren or great-grandchildren and asking them these questions of like, okay, so what, what did you learn from this story? Why did this, this um, particular quote-unquote character, for lack of a better phrase, um, act the way they did? Mm-hmm. Or what, was, what, what wasn't their, or what was their, their true intent behind why they might have hurt someone or said, someone, mm-hmm. said something about someone in a certain way? Mm-hmm. And to turn it into something that lacks that um, that follow up mm. is where it turns into performative culture for me. Mm. So you can animate the story all you want, whether it is um, something like Raven Tales or whether it's an in-person storytelling. Um, but if you don't do the work, if you don't do the follow up into what that story means within our culture, yeah. then that's performative culture. Yeah. Then that's for an entertainment value. That's making it palatable for non-Indigenous people. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think I love this conversation because it's making me think of like so many different, <laughs> yeah. like a hundred different scenarios and, and just experiences that, that I've gone through. And what I'm kind of thinking of like how we get around, because I think this is a pitfall, like to no blame or judgment on people who are accidentally doing performative culture because Mm -hmm. it's what they got, right? Mm -hmm. I'm very much for, you know, you got to work with what you got. Um, But I think how we navigate the pitfall is like, it's less of a to-do list, right? Like your tick boxing kind of moment of like, I've done my cultural thing versus embodying the teachings and embodying the culture and evoking it as often as you possibly can. Because if we make our culture fit into a box, which Mm -hmm. is like if you just taught the curriculum and just left it, Mm -hmm. or you just did the performance and that was all your cultural things for that day, Mm -hmm. then that's the performative piece, right? It's lacking the depth. It's lacking the breadth of what our culture is meant to be, right? Which is lived. Lived and experienced. Absolutely. And I I do think it is, uh, it's not an easy path, especially if we're talking about our experience in working in education for teachers to bring that in. Mm-hmm. Um, so let alone the greater public to kind of see the difference between performative culture and the actual true value yeah. of indigenous cultures. Yeah, and I would say it's not even their job. It's not non not indigenous people's, it is not non-indigenous people's jobs to figure that out. That's yeah. our job to yeah. figure out performative culture, I think. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we want to have um, more of our culture taught in schools, I know I know in British Columbia it is uh, written into the curriculum from K to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know in some, I don't know if it's across Canada, but, um, you know, there's this, uh, if you're becoming a teacher specifically, you have to have a certain number of yeah. Indigenous courses, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so I think being able to, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, I know. <laughs> Anyways, so I, I don't know where I was going with that point, but basically, you know, if we can't, if, if our education system is struggling to do that, I, I can't imagine how much more difficult it would be for the greater public, yeah. of, for us specifically Canadians, yeah. to know what performative culture is yeah. and, and actually access indigenously um, pure, I don't know, whatever word, uh, resources, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's one thing for having a performative person who is is playing this story out yeah. versus someone who is sitting down and, and teaching this story in a traditional way yeah. and in, and involving those conversations that need to be had that encompass that story. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love it. Okay. But I think I just want to ask this question before we, we close this episode is like, what would your, like, cause like, this is obviously, I feel like maybe it's not so obvious. I feel like it's new conversations for us in our indigenous communities. This, this, word, mm -hmm. this thing we've called, yes. we've labeled performative culture, mm -hmm. what would your advice be or what direction or what teachings would you encourage people who feel like, oh shit, maybe that's me. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm doing mm -hmm. performative culture, right? Because uh, now I'm thinking back of all the moments. I'm like, am I being performative in that moment? Or actually I think is a moment we should all be in as people mm -hmm. who are indigenous. Um, what would, what are some things you would leave with people to think about in terms of evading or avoiding the performative pitfall? I think you have to reassess how you're going about presenting whatever it is that you are showcasing, mm, right? Yeah. So you gotta check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> I love that phrase. I use it all the time. Um, yeah, you, you have to make sure that what you are putting out into non-indigenous spaces because that is ultimately what performance culture that's is what, for is for non-indigenous people right? the essence of performance yeah um of making sure that it, it isn't just the performance piece and that you do the follow-up yes. you, you include whether that means you're cutting down your story uh your animated story from 45 minutes to 30 minutes mm -hmm. and you're taking that 15 minutes of time to discuss that story mm. and actually include those questions and conversations that our ancestors have been having for thousands of years mm. um, is what is an important step forward in changing your shtick for lack of a better word yeah. to being from performance based yeah. to actually um, I guess education based in a sense. Yeah. 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 Love that. Yeah. Love it. Love it. For me, I was, and it's, it's exactly along the same lines of exactly what you're talking about. And my mind immediately goes to, you know, I would <laughs> I gotta be brave in these, these conversations. Right. It's like, cause you know, sometimes I see, I feel like a lot of uh, leaders in our, mm -hmm. in our community, yes. right. A lot yeah. of indigenous leaders will say one thing to the world right non-indigenous peoples yeah. and then look back at their own people and then treat us in a completely different way compared to what they're asking non-indigenous exactly. leaders to which to yeah. my mind is performative right yeah. and so i think that i think of alignment and mm -hmm. aligning practice what do you call it? practicing what you're preaching right yeah the, practicing the, what you're teaching and, talk and the talk walk the walk exactly right? exactly alignment right yeah. like aligning that's how i think about evading the uh, mm -hmm. cultural 
the performative culture yeah. pitfall in yeah, my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. this performative culture isn't just about storytelling. You know, it's about artists. It's about um, public speakers. It's about um, people talking about residential schools mm -hmm. or the 60s scoop survivors or, or anything like that, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, all of those things can be turned into performative culture. Absolutely. Um, as sad as it is to turn residential schools into performative culture, it is. Oh, yes. Right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, but if you're not following up with those important conversations, that's where the pitfall is for sure. Yes. That alignment, like you had said. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you're, you're putting, if you're an artist and you're putting your, your face forward as, um, yes, I have this skill and I can create this beautiful masterpiece, masterpiece yeah. but then when you go home and you're treating your community members like absolute shit, mm -hmm. that's not an alignment because yeah. um, something I, I remember being taught by, and thankfully, fortunately from um, indigenous people brought into my school was that the, what you put into that art piece or that story or mm -hmm. that drum or even that dream catcher as I was taught growing up um, is, is going to last. Mm -hmm. So the, the intentions and the energy that you are putting into making something mm -hmm. regardless of what it is, is going to stay there with that piece. Yes. So if, if you are sitting at home weaving a blanket or, mm -hmm. or sewing a ribbon skirt yeah. And you're frustrated because your kid spilled something on the carpet and you're doing this, then that energy is goes transferring into that, into that thing yeah. that you're building that you're making. Yeah. And I think the same goes with now uh, the access to technology that we have. And I have used technology in, in presentations before. Yeah. You know, if I'm frustrated as I'm putting together this PowerPoint presentation for, um, medicinal plants or something and I get frustrated that my cat is peeping or something like that, that energy is going into it. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a traditional mm -hmm. piece of work or whether it's something as modern as a PowerPoint presentation, yeah. energy you're putting into it is, is going to stay there. And it's such, it's one of my favorite teachings is the energy you put in is the energy that's going to be shared with with exactly. the rest of the world right yeah. and i live by that as as a teacher as yeah. a speaker as a facilitator i'm like if i'm and then because i i do offer prayers to like opening prayers mm -hmm. if somebody asks me to open up a, a prayer and because that is in its own regard yes. quite performative yeah. too right yeah. for non-indigenous spaces i'm like this is mm -hmm. for my people but i also believe i believe in the faith of grounding people yes. um and i bust my ass whenever I, I do a prayer and I, yeah. you feel yeah. the spiritual toll when you offer a good prayer, You're like everything's in it. Yes, but if I'm exactly. not in a place, if I'm not in a good place, like mentally or mm -hmm, spiritually mm -hmm. or physically, I'm like, I am so sorry. I know I agreed to this for, but I can't because I'm yes. going to share that bad medicine with everybody here exactly. and you're, it's going to exactly. be counterintuitive, right? Yeah. That's yeah. alignment, right? Yeah. Like that's the. And I think if you had continued with that prayer, irregardless of how mm -hmm. you felt, that's performative. Yes, exactly. Right? right. And that's the hardest part to navigate is mm -hmm. like, if, and especially in these days, because so many of us Indigenous peoples are building careers off of and have mm -hmm. built careers off of 
the the performance and i'm just going to be transparent speaking for myself there mm-hmm. is a degree of performance a huge degree of performance that goes into the work that we do because we're involved in education training and consultation there's a lot of performance that goes in it right but at the same time what i keep taking back to my team our team mm-hmm. is you know we we practice what we teach and we make sure mm-hmm. that our ethics our values are all aligned to the work that we're asking people to do mm-hmm. right otherwise it's exactly. just otherwise it's just it's not even performance it's like um oh I'm losing the word here, but it's like the opposite of what you're doing. What is the what is that word? It's false. It is false. It's fake. Yeah. It's kind of the hypocritical is the word I'm looking for. It's hypocritical, (laughs) right? And we don't want to be hypocritical. So it's super important. But you have to check in. You have to Mm -hmm. check in with yourself. Like, am I in the space? Am I doing the work? Am I aligned? Which is easier said than done. And I think that's why we fall into this performative pitfall. Yeah. And again, sorry, that does tie back back into our imposter syndrome mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah. You know, if if you're not feeling good about where you're at and you still go ahead with it, you feel like um, you you owe those people something. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that's both imposter and performative culture. Totally. Right totally. Yeah. 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 Well, intersectionality of our episodes. We should write yeah. a book. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah. that brings us to the end of our this episode. Yes. Anyway, and we look forward to seeing you at the next one. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Wee Bit Resi Podcast. Feel free to answer our weekly what's up cousin question in uh, this ep- in the comment section your yeah. question section exactly. yeah. <laughs> of this episode yeah <laughs> you can also send us an email at a wee bit resi at shaw.ca and if you want to stay in touch with us give us a like on facebook we're on facebook and other social media platforms soon to come <laughs>